the city controller says Philadelphia is missing almost $30 million out of the bank. How did we get here and what happens next? Let's get the inside story. Good morning and happy Father's Day. I'm Tamala Edwards. Welcome to Inside Story. Let's introduce you to the panel. We'll start with communications exec, Mia Meeks. Good, Good morning. morning. Pollster Terry Madonna, journalist Larry Platt, morning. and GOP state official Val DiGiorgio. Good morning. Happy Father's Welcome. Day to that side of Thank the table. You. I don't even know almost where to begin with the story. In fact, Larry, <laughs> I will start with you because how much is missing itself seems to be under contention. You just spoke to Rebecca Reinhardt, the city controller, and she's saying something different right now. Yeah, they're, they're, the story keeps keeps changing, and the story of finance director Rob DeBow and treasurer Rashia Johnson keeps changing. Uh, Thirty-three million is the is the official number, according to Controller Reinhardt, that is missing from the consolidated cash account. Uh, she doesn't think there's fraud, but she's open to fraud investigation. Um, this goes back to early May when Councilman Alan Dom had hearings and cross-examined both Johnson and Dubow, and it was stunning then because it was $33 million missing from one account, but also <clears throat> something like $40 billion over the last seven years have gone through accounts that have been unreconciled. They've been, there've been vast unreconciliation. And now Reinhardt's report finds another $923 yeah. million dollars in material mistakes. Material, it's a material weakness, and, uh, the, which is an accounting term of art, in accounting errors. So we are the worst uh, city of the big cities in America in terms of our accounting practices. And we should point out, cities like New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, they don't have this. We have a number of material and strong deficiencies, and it's almost seen as, well, that's just the way it is. We send you a bunch of errors, and you yeah. fix it, controller. That's no, not the way it is. I'm a former county controller. I was shocked by the number of deficiencies, and kudos to the controller for getting on top of this. Um, what's um, disturbing is categorizing this as some hor somehow a, uh, a checkbook problem, checkbook reconciliation. It's really not. Um, and I was, as I was reading through the articles uh, on this, a couple of things stood out to me. Um, that one, the city is still using uh, an amalgam of programs uh, like Lotus One Two Three, and uh, which is know. like saying you play Tetris. Right? Well, well, well there's no support for that. No, that's a, pro Batman. 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 That's just a program that hasn't had support for 20 years. Yes. Uh, you know, Chester County, we had 20 years ago. We 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 bought our own program to help us do our accounting, and everybody uses it: finance, treasurer, controller. It's just the, the if if this were private industry, somebody would be going to jail under Sarbanes Oxley. This is bad. and she's saying that there's actually given how they do things, even if they don't find theft or fraud, it is so easy. She's saying there are a number of accounts that anybody can go in and reconcile with right. no oversight. Right. It's often easy when you look at governments at all levels if there's no political or public pressure to reform these kinds of programs because it's not something that the average citizen gets heavily invested in, and I think that's what's going on here. And there are, as my colleagues have pointed out, proper accounting practices and proper 
safeguards that can get built into these programs and to the people who run them to make sure that this sort of thing doesn't happen. But you know, can you also just focus in on two things? One, $33 million. People will say, oh, well, we look at the vast size of the budget, maybe it's a drop in the bucket. But we have to think that's almost the amount of money it takes to run the district attorney's office. Mm -hmm. It's more than the contribution to the Community College of Philadelphia on behalf of the city. It's almost the amount of money we're talking about when we're looking at economic development and the arts and culture that the city promotes. Those are multiplier effects. To not be able to account for $33 million has a vast impact on the entire city. And I might be the only person here who's actually worked in city government. And I could actually see how this happens because you do have antiquated systems. Unfortunately, you have people with Luddite attitudes like, oh, I don't need to learn these new technologies. It's job security. You have a vast... Um, issue of culture that needs to be changed, but until there's a demand to change that culture, until we pull up into a Starbucks move and say, hey, let's stop, let's pause, let's revamp So then that this, raises two questions. Duvo is saying, hey, Rebecca, why don't you come sit on this panel we want to put together to oh. fix it? Is that enough? And Or will people actually have an outcry and do something, or will they just, as one columnist calls it, do the Philly shrug, the Philly shrug. and keep moving? Uh, this is where you need mayoral leadership, right? Because uh, the fact is, here's the moral failing in all this. You can't ask for new taxes, as the mayor is doing yet again. He's seeking a property tax increase. Uh, at the same time that you're proving incapable of being a responsible steward of the taxpayer's money. Uh, so the mayor needs to step up and he needs to hold people accountable. I've, I've said that Rob DeBow and Rashia Johnson should resign because this is that bad of a, of a, of a, of a scandal. And quickly, is this Rebecca Reinhardt stepping out in a way that says, look for me to run for mayor one day? People now know her name if they didn't before. I mean, it's nice to say that, but the fact of the matter is it's unfortunate whenever someone does the right thing we say, oh, they should be mayor. That says a lot about <laughs> leadership in the city, seriously. And I think not just for the mayor, the challenge is a challenge for every citizen in this city to say, we will not take this. This is unacceptable. Yeah, but typically, this is not, these are not issues that voters get heavily invested Again, in. Contextualized. I don't I know, Terry. I feel as though I've heard a lot of groundswell no. commentary about this. This number is sticking only, out with people. But that's right. But I'm talking about typically and normally. Right. The big question is, how did you get the $30 million? How did it get to that point? The, and, the bigger and thing is, how do we move forward? That's well, what I couldn't let's agree talk more a with bit about yeah. moving forward because they're talking about budget proposals back and forth between the mayor and city council. Something interesting came out. They're going to get some savings when it comes to prison reform. And council is saying, hey, let's put that towards schools rather than raising property taxes or doing other things. The mayor is saying, if you do that, that was money we were going to do to try new programs like getting rid of cash bail or doing different things within the community. Who's right in this one? City Council saying people can't afford a property tax, they can't afford a lot of the taxes, let's take the savings. Or the mayor saying if you want criminal justice reform, look at the DA you elected, look at the things you say you want, we got to keep going this way. Which way do we go? That's spin by the mayor uh, because the fact is that the laudably under this mayor, the prison population has declined by 30%. Um, and all they're seeking is a 5% savings. Uh, how is it possible that you decline the population by 30% and yet you have the same number of guards, you have the same health care costs? There, is, there are savings to be had there, and it has nothing to do with, with uh, future 
uh, uh, savings in terms of uh, okay. uh, criminal justice. We're going to fix your mic real quick. Let's also talk about, well, you probably had something well, you want to say. What I, want, what, I, what I wanted to say is that you can't continue to have businesses leaving the city. And the discussion about raising the property tax, I mean, give me a break. 8% now, it's the highest property tax in the state. You go to 8.2, 8.5, whatever it is, you're just going to make it virtually impossible, you know, you know, to uh, to for businesses and others to survive economically. Uh, it's refreshing in Philadelphia to see councilwomen, councilwoman Bass, and other council folk talk about, you know, not going first to the exactly. taxpayers. And if you want to go to Harrisburg, you know, you got to fix your your accounting. You got to show that you're instituting reforms. Um, and you got to make sure you're you're investing the the city's money wisely, and, I, yeah. and hopefully there's a, a movement yeah. on council to. I meant sales tax. I, I right. was talking about sales tax. Well, let's talk yeah. a little bit about that because the city had won court cases saying we are going to have this beverage tax. Let's keep going. Harrisburg, the beverage industry went to Harrisburg, and they're now saying, well, what about this? We'll get rid of the beverage tax and have a general sales increase. Already, it's higher in Philadelphia, eight percent compared 8%, to six percent yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Now it would be eight point two five, eight and a half. City council. Is using the same argument the beverage industry used against them. If you do that, people will cross state city lines to go oh, buy things are. elsewhere. Who's going to win on this? Well, that's not really true because what the, the, the sales tax option is much more broad-based than the than the soda tax option. So, in other words... So, what the mayor and, and Clark are saying, you don't, you don't see people yeah, that's going just, somewhere. Yeah, that's just more clever spin. Uh, because the fact is that a 0.25 uh, uh, or 0.40 or 0.50 sales tax increase is 20, 20, uh, 25 cents on every $100. People don't feel it as much. But the soda tax people have felt. So in my mind, look, I'm opposed to any new taxes, especially while for, because of what we talked about before, exactly. because they've got to prove they can handle the money that they have. But this is replacing one tax with another and replacing a tax that right now the soda tax is dwindling. They projected right. it to be 90 million. It's like yeah, 63 million. To, yeah, but what are you going to do when you start getting into 8.2 and 8.5 sales taxes for companies that want to invest and oh, want, to, want to come back? And that's the whole point about keeping a reinvigorated economy in the city. And what does it tell us, though, that the beverage industry is not giving up? And they <laughs> thought that they would do what the alcohol industry did when they raised those taxes and finally say, okay, it's here, let's move on. It looks as though they're not going to give up on this fight. They're no, going to try a, everything. It's a lucrative fight. There's a lot of money at stake. Um, it's in the courts, too. It's not just in the legislature. Right. I don't think the bill that's in the legislature uh, to overturn this is going to, is going to run. But uh, we'll see what the courts are going to do on this. There's uh, fighting it as a violation of the Sterling Act. Uh, we'll see what happens. Let's. Speaking of what may happen, let's turn to you, Terry. You've got a new poll out mm -hmm. taking a look at where things are shaping up in the state. And I felt as though, in part, and you'll talk about the generalities, there were some mixed messages. On one hand, Governor Wolf looks as though he's way ahead mm -hmm. of Scott Wagner, 48% to 29% right now, five months out. Bob Casey over Barletta, 44% to 27%. But when you ask people about Wolf and Casey and do they like them, it feels as though it's almost yeah. even. Those who say they're doing yeah. an excellent job and those who say fair to poor. It feels as though there's right. room for Barletta and Wagner oh, to open there, this up. Well, there's a huge number of undecided voters. Remember that uh, uh, 23 and 28% uh, respectively, 23% in the governor's race. And there are more Republicans and independents who have not made up their mind. But here's the point. If you go back to our March poll and then you look at the April Muhlenberg poll and now the June poll, which we did for you folks, there's literally no change. 
the Republicans went through a brutal primary. I mean, the likes of which we've not seen particularly out of Republican candidates, maybe in modern history. And so we're literally, the governor's race and the Senate race is where they were three or four months ago until we get now actively into the campaign, Democrat against Republican. And so the voters in our state, and this is important, because we have endemic corruption, public corruption, it's like every other week mm -hmm. somebody gets indicted. The voters in our state overall are turned off the government and politicians generically. And that makes the job performances of Democrats and Republicans that tend to be lower than you would find in other states because of the massive amounts of public corruption that we've had with little confidence in the state legislature. And it's not a question of whether the Republicans run the legislature or the Democrats. It's just a feeling now, that exists. Val, because you run the state, I've got a couple of questions for you as you look at this. Because we, state well, that's state. Right. Well, you know what I mean, the Republicans. He's like, let me get to the state of influence. Looking at, looking at the Republican side, on one hand, he's right. There was a, a number of ads people saw, Wagner versus Mango versus Ellsworth. Why are they saying a lot of Republicans and independents? I don't really have a feeling. And are you worried? Or you just think the summer will happen, then people will tune in in September, we'll run ads, and this thing will get tighter. How are you looking at well, this? Well, we think the thing is already tighter. With all due respect to my good learned friend here, <laughs> uh, we've got it a seven-point race. We think the methodology in, um, in Terry's poll is a little flawed here. He's got as much as 10% more Democrats turning out than Republicans. I'm sorry to say it that way. But, I'll explain it. But yeah, I know you <laughs> It's four times higher than the highest midterm election in Pennsylvania that we could find in, in, in yeah. recent memory. It's, it's almost twice as high as it turned out in the presidential election as ter in terms of Democrat versus Republican. So um, we have it a seven-point race. We also know that 60% of the voters are less likely to vote for Tom Wolf when they know that he proposed the largest tax increase in Pennsylvania history, that his, that his administration is not transparent. Okay, and, now wait a second. Wait, that's your side, and yeah, we don't have a Democrat to give the other well, side. Well, you Democrats. Okay. No, he's not. He's <laughs> not the one. He's in the middle. He's a pollster. No, no, Those are my I'll Democrats there. The we dispute that, too. Is the difference enthusiasm? Is that why you Oh, the Democrats are more enthusiastic. There's no doubt about that on almost any in index that we would use. But here's the point. We're looking now, as we traditionally do at registered voters, just as the Muhlenberg poll did. Mm -hmm. We'll get the likely voters in the fall. So when we have a ratio of more Democrats to Republicans, that's what the voter registration is. We're looking more broadly at it. And I'm not going to disagree that there's room for change within the electorate, particularly with the large number of undecideds. And we're talking again about registered voters so that we can compare registered voters in this election, governor's election, but right at now, the same time. You would say if you were working for Wagner or for, for Letta, you'd they say have their work, look, they, they have a lot of work they, they have their work cut out for them. Let's and be honest wanna, about that, you, regardless Terry, of what the Terry showed something interesting. President Trump doing better compared to earlier in the spring. He's up, up five points. By, by five points. Yeah. And many people would say that Barletta and Wagner will be running very Trumpian campaigns. That's an understatement. Do, uh, that is an understatement. <laughs> so is that <laughs> good for them? Let's still look at the numbers where you're looking at how many people love President Trump in this state. I mean, still, what, one out of three. Right. One out of three? Right. That's still not the majority. When yeah. you compare that to 
how many people think that Governor Wolf or um, Bob Casey, Senator Casey, are doing a great job. They're still like two out of five. So, and the fact is, just numerically, Democrats still have an advantage. And when you're talking about enthusiasm, look at who's running. Look at the opportunity to send Democratic women to Congress for the first time and I don't know, having a female member in the delegation for X number of years. So the enthusiasm yeah, aspect is going to be really well, important. Really quickly as we wrap up, we hear people saying that in some ways people are saying in polls they want divided government. They want to keep President Trump, but they want a strong Congress. Are you seeing that in some of this or no? I, or when I say strong, I should say a Congress that is oppositional, so maybe they end up in the middle. I think that gives too much credit to the electorate for being rational. <laughs> um, I think that what we've seen, not just in 2016, but in, more, in, in a lot of recent elections, is a primal scream, is dissatisfaction across the board, uh, especially among white working class voters. Uh, and I think um, and I think that's going to continue. That's why, why Trump, Trump won. won the election. Absolutely. Right. Well, I've got to take a short break, and we'll come back to more Inside Story. Welcome back to Inside Story. I'm Tamala Edwards. Let's jump across the river into New Jersey. Something major happened in Trenton. They finally have a mayor for the next two, four years. And it's Reed Gushiora, and he's gay. And it's kind of a footnote. Yeah. Yes. And that seems like an interesting moment in American politics for the state. It's probably the least interesting thing about him. I mean, here you have a mayor that is educated at Catholic yeah. University, Seton Hall, I also believe, and, you know, Princeton prosecutor at one point. And he's interested in legalizing marijuana. He's interested in reforming policing. And the fact that he's gay is like, eh. So, big deal. I mean, the fact is, people are looking for leadership, and they're looking for someone that's going to help bring that city forward, and they believe they chose the right man. You know, Val, we were talking about it, and we were saying 10, 20 years ago, it would be more maybe of an issue on the panel, a cultural issue, and you were just like, eh. Yeah, when I saw it on our topics, I was sort of, you know, what's it what's, why is it news? <laughs> I mean, I th and I think that's great. I think that's great. And Terry said a few minutes ago, can he fix the potholes? Can he... You know, balance yeah. the budget. Yeah, you know, the things exactly right. Who, yeah. who cares? If he, you yeah. know, if he's gay, great. I mean, I think it's great that yeah. we have an openly gay person who feels comfortable to run. But I sort of shrug it. And you know, this is happening all over the place. Um, keep your eye on Pete Buttigieg, who's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who is uh, gay, a, a military star. veteran, and a road scholar, and he is going to go places. They're even talking about him yeah. as a potential VP candidate. Yeah, sign, sign of the times. If you if you do polls of millennials, you know, the 18 to 34-year-olds, this isn't, what's this issue? issue. Right. They don't even <laughs> recognize it as an issue. It's so widely accepted, and as my colleagues have pointed out. Let's talk a little bit about something else huge in New Jersey this week, and that was sports betting mm -hmm. coming to the state. The governor uh, casting the first wager there at Monmouth White Racetrack. It seems like a mixed story. On one hand, they'll get about 13 million in. Some people saying, oh, it's going to save the state jobs as they convert some of these places to do sports betting. But other places are saying it's not a lot of money, and eventually a lot of other states are going to get in on it. So it may not be the boon that we they do. think it is. Which way to look at this? It's a $140 billion black market industry right now. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of bookies out of business. And uh, if the state just grabs a small portion of that, in Pennsylvania yeah. alone, it's estimated to be, I think, a billion dollars. Yep. Uh, yep. We're going to tax that at 36%. Yeah. You know, for this, uh, for the for the Congress to say you can only do it in four states, which is what the law said before the Supreme Court intervened. Yeah. It was uh, Delaware, Nevada, and a couple others. I think yeah. it's I think it's a good decision. We'll we'll regulate it, we'll tax it, and it'll yeah. create jobs. Yeah, in the controversial poll that we just did, I'm looking at that. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had a little fun with that. Uh, Pennsylvania voters, 48 percent of them, favor it. 
favor it. And you know what I, I, I say? Well, that's because not just that they want to bet, but they want to be able to vote for Penn State, Pitt, well, <laughs> Temple, their favorite, you know, yeah. your well, favorite college. Well, and that gets college. to my, my little bit of a concern about the integrity of the college game. Pro athletes are making I, I so much that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But college athletes are, are already exploited uh, financially. Yeah. Uh, and is this going to, you know, Division open up the floodgate? You have to qualify Division that. Yes. Not, not where we... Yes, <laughs> you're right. Smart. You're but right. you never know. I mean, those things can trickle down. One well, other now. question is... You know, what are we going to do when we run out of sins to tax? Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. we all yeah. we'll come out with new sins. <laughs> I don't, I don't well. know how many more are left. I mean, we we're have no we're taxing a whole bunch of things, so it's going to be really interesting. You know, Murphy, who cast the first wager, got a dinged a little bit because it took him a couple of days to sign this bill. Some people saying just the image of it for AC needing the revenue, he should have signed it the minute that the Supreme Court, that it made it through its uh, the New Jersey houses and Senate. Does that stick with him, somebody saying he was slow on the uptake, or it's a minor thing? A minor thing. Yeah, the voters care. He no. play They'll be too busy betting. Really quickly, we want to show some fun we had here at the station. The Eagles came by with the Super Bowl ring. My God, that thing is lovely. <laughs> it took up half my hand, but we had a lot of fun with it. Look at it. 219 diamonds. How can you not get oh down with that? Gosh. Look at it. It takes up half his hand. But, you know, they say they had their party. They're moving on after all the White House back and forth. The Sixers say they're moving on after all the stuff with Colangelo. Are we really ready to turn the corner and put a little bit of the controversy with sports behind us? Absolutely. This is a blue-collar city. These are blue-collar teams. That's why we love them. And they say it's time to get back to work. Forget about all the hype. Forget about all the crazy. Right now, we have things that we need to focus on. Leave the drama to the drama folk. Okay. All right. Drama queens out there, get busy. Our sports teams are done with it. That's it. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break and come back to your Inside Stories of the Week. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Good morning. Back now to Inside Story, and let's talk about your Inside Stories. Neo, we'll start with you. Well, let's start with something that's a little happy. I, though right now a lot of folks are focusing on the history of Watergate, 1972, for obvious and sundry reasons, there was one thing that Nixon did right in 1972. He codified mm -hmm. Father's Day. He made it an official holiday. Mm -hmm. And considering that six out of ten American men are fathers yeah. and that men actually have positive impacts, it's not an either-or mother versus, it's a both. And so for all the dads, whether whether you're biological or adoptive or step or by any means that you are raising a child, dads, uncles, cousins, brothers, you know, today is your day. Enjoy. And thanks for the great work. Mm -hmm. Fellas, we love you for it. Terry. I want to pick up on something that Nia mentioned earlier. Number one, this is truly going to be the year of the woman. Let's take Congress. About 19.4% of the members of Congress are female. But imagine this. On the Democratic side of the aisle, 49% of the winning primary candidates have been female, if you exclude the Democratic incumbents. Republicans much less so, but they have women running. We're going to end up in Pennsylvania where we do not have a single woman in the congressional delegation with, a at, least, statement. with at least three. And so, I th and by the way, we are undergoing a huge transformation in politics. All right, Larry. I'm going to do something I never do, praise mm. city council. It's, what? It's, it's not exactly the House of Commons, 
But in standing up to Mayor Kenny on the on the property tax, council really set forth uh, a, a an important standard. Mayor Kenny inherited a $3.9 billion budget. It's now $4.6 billion. He's in love with taxes. We need a pro-growth economic agenda. You can't tax your way to, to prosperity. All right, Val, you got the last word. It's budget season in Harrisburg, and we're going to see uh, maybe for the first time in four years a budget on time. Hasn't happened. Maybe Governor Wolf will sign this one. I think it's a confluence of uh, things coming together. Revenue's coming in much better thanks to uh, the economy doing well. We think the Republican tax cuts had something to do with that. Um, we also think that uh, we're seeing gaming revenue come in, and, and it's an election year. Nobody wants to have a budget go into October during an election year. So hopefully we get a budget on time and the governor signs it and we get some, some peace in Harrisburg. And happy Father's Day, Dad. Happy Father's Day indeed to my dad. I am who I am because of you. And my sons are who they are because of their dad. Thanks to all the men out there 